And welcome back to another edition of what I like to call from nonsense to God sense as we take a look at some of the things of this world through a biblical perspective. And oftentimes when we look at things through the worldly perspective, it gets confusing. It gets troubling, causes us some anxiety, maybe some panic, some worry. But oftentimes when we take that same view and look through the lens of the Bible, look through the lens of the gospel of Jesus, we might have a little bit more faith, confidence, and hope, and maybe things will be less uh, anxious for us when we know that we're not the ones ultimately in control and that we can put our faith in something higher than us and something way more powerful than us. In fact, the creator of everything that we are enjoying here today as far as the beauty of his creation and the beauty of mankind. And uh, joining me as always is Dan Delzell. He's the author of many articles at the Christian Post. And then he's also a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And and Dan, last week we were kind of talking about some things about kind of like the foundations and the crumbling of our foundations and going to carry on the conversation here a little bit, um, you know, this time. And it seems like those foundations, every time we get together, it seems like more and more of those foundations continue to crumble versus people banding together and trying to, you know, kind of shore it up, so to speak, to use those terms. And so uh, as we continue the conversation, you know, just your thoughts to get things going here this week on that. Yeah, Son, great to be back with you. And uh, what a, what an important topic. You know, uh, last week, of course, we kind of talked about just how the foundation of, of marriage and, and male and female, um, that, that that foundation has been crumbling now. Uh, really for decades, all the way back to the sexual revolution of the 60s and, and, and how, um, you know, just the traditional values and the biblical values and the biblical teaching on male and female and, and sexuality has been crumbling. Uh, and, you know, America as a whole, uh, we're, we're experiencing, you know, just this crumbling of the Judeo-Christian foundation of our nation. And, and it's very interesting and really, really tragic, I think, Son, that, you know, one of the aspects of a, of a free nation like ours that has such a rich heritage is that, you know, we do have, um, order. We do have laws. I mean, ultimately they're based, they're based upon, um, you know, the ultimate lawgiver upon what God has given in the Bible. Um, you know, in fact, the Bible says God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And, and so as the foundation, this Judeo-Christian foundation, um, continues to crumble underneath us, we are just going to see, um, more lawlessness and more disorder. And, and, and so, you know, the, uh, the tragic death of George Floyd, uh, seemed to be the fuse that lit this, this just round of, of, you know, looting and, and rioting and, and, and something as, you know, unbelievable is defunding the police. So somehow, you know, that that's going to solve something rather than encourage, uh, you know, criminal activity and, and, uh, you know, leave, uh, you know, innocent people vulnerable. So, you know, when, when the mind goes, um, you know, as a result of the crumbling foundation, you, you, you lose sight of something as basic as, you know, what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? You lose sight of, of something as simple as law and order. Um, and, 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 and so man's internal chaos inside of himself, he's restless with God. He has no peace. Um, and he just wants to lash out. And, and, and because of that, um, you know, we, 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 we then see man engage in things like, um, looting and, and rioting and, and even this, you know, crazy call to defund the police. But it's all just symptomatic. I, I think son of just this crumbling of the Judeo Christian foundation in America uh, where, um, when you, um, you know, ignore God's laws and, and when you re- refuse to, you know, bow your knee to, to Jesus, the King of Kings and, and receive his free gift of eternal life, you are destined to live a lawless life. Ultimately, even if, you know, society might say you're fairly moral, but, but if you thumb your nose at God and his laws, um, it doesn't get you very far. Uh, and uh, as you and I talked last week again, you know, then ultimately you stand before God on Judgment Day and, and you have no foundation. And that might be another topic, whether we get to it today or not, that, you know, we, we talked about addressing just the foundation of faith, you know, in a Christian's life. And so you've got the Judeo-Christian foundation of America that's crumbling. And, um, and then you've got individuals who either have a foundation in Christ or they don't. And, and, and so a huge part of our mission as Christians, of course, is to, is to help people uh, have that foundation um, laid in their soul, you know, and, and, 
and put down there uh, through faith in Christ so you can begin to build a life of, of, of uh, Christian discipleship on it uh, by God's grace. So all of these things are going on, and, and uh, the world is, is just in turmoil right now. And then you throw the uh, you know, throw COVID into it. And, and, um, you know, this is a time when people definitely need the Lord. There's no question about it. Yeah. Dan, one of the things I'm reminded of is the kind of the old school Sunday school song, you know, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and so it talks about, you know, so build your life, you know, on the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock. And okay, so we take it out of the religious perspective. And I've talked to working in radio, many conservative talk show hosts that aren't really religious, but they have a, a foundation that they believe, an ideology that is on a rock of sorts. They're not building their ideology, their beliefs the way things should be on a sand where it ebbs and flows. And, you know, anybody knows who's been to the beach, if you build a sandcastle, the first wave that comes, it's gone. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we're seeing in this day and age is that, you know, at one time the country had a foundation of principles that our forefathers built. And right. that was the belief, you know, the Constitution, uh, even the Declaration of Independence, you know, the the belief in God we trust. You know, there was, there was some foundations there politically and as a country that this country was founded on. But now those things tend to be just whatever. People will – and it, it will change. I mean, just look at this COVID thing. First, it's flatten the curve, and then it's, no, we need to have a vaccine. Then it's defund the police, and so we're going to set up these zones in different cities for protesters to do whatever they want to do. And then it's no longer defund the police. Now it's all these other things that have to be in there. So people are always changing their you know ideology, their beliefs, because their foundation isn't rooted in anything. It's just a whim. It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. Right. And it seems yeah. that seems to be problematic in society because nobody has any roots in any type of belief because they just you know they just go with the tide. They're like a jellyfish in yeah. the ocean, just with the ebb and flow yeah. of the tide. You know, son, I think you've really put your finger on it, and um, it really demonstrates how whether we're talking about a nation on a very broad level or an individual or a family or a marriage. Uh, you know, I was just doing some marriage counseling with a couple this week that was going through a difficult time. And, 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 you know, it's just the foundational issues that, that, um, that you end up coming back to, uh, you know, and, and I think you're exactly right, son. And we're seeing in America, so many people who, if they don't have that foundation, they are, they're blown here, they're blown there. Um, and, and on a national level, it's happening. You know, I think about Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Um, now, you know, we just celebrated our 244th birthday as a nation. And, and so we do have a wonderful heritage. Um, we have a wonderful uh, legacy, um, you know, that, that, that God has, has given us. But um, things are really changing. You know, if you were to go about halfway back in our history, back to 1892, son, there was a Supreme Court decision that was very revealing in the words that the uh, uh, the justices used in their decision that day. I'd like to just read it because it really illustrates how far we've come. Now, again, this is 1892, so so if you kind of split our, our uh, the age of our nation about in half, go about halfway back, um, here's what they said. Our laws, meaning our national laws, our, law, our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in this sense and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. This is a religious people. This is historically true. From the discovery of this continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation we find everywhere a clear recognition of the same truth. These and many other matters which might be noticed add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation. Now, now, son, that was, that was the Supreme Court in 1892. Now, I, I know today if a Christian even, you know, attempts to say that, well, you know, uh, we're a Christian nation, you get all sorts of people, you know, just go crazy over that. And, you know, uh, and they start to think that, you know, Christians are promoting a theocracy where, um, you know, we're going to try to force people to become Christians or this or that. Well, first of all, that doesn't work. Um, you know, Jesus invited people and called people to come follow him. You know, he commanded people to repent and believe the good news. The alternative is, is, is to carry your sin all the way to judgment day and then be handed your, your eternal sentence for your sin uh, rather than giving it to Christ in this life and be forgiven. 
But 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 the interesting thing with that uh, Supreme Court decision, Son, is that uh, those justices understood at that halfway point. Um, you know, that, at that point, of course, they, they had no idea what, what would be coming, you know, in the next, you know, 125, 130 years. But um, uh, we, we've now experienced it as, as the foundations really, um, I, I believe, uh, started to crumble uh, during the sexual revolution. And, and as man uh, began to just thumb his nose at God and, and say that, you know, this body that historically, you know, the Bible teaches is, you know, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. Uh, and, um, this body, you can start to use however you want. And, and, and then out of that came, you know, abortion, how well it's my body, you know, and, and this, this, just, um, willingness to just dispose of a living being within your, you know, the God's creating within you. I mean, all of this just evolves, uh, and, and flows and, and begins to come crashing down when the foundations begin to crumble and and so the only answer we have in America is a spiritual revival. It has to begin on an individual basis, but but God can move in, in big ways too, where many people come under the power of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of their sin, and 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 so um, it, it does go back to the, the need for prayer. Um, you know, you and I were, were were talking before the podcast about a situation, and and uh, you know just how how you were you were uh, commenting on on the need for, for Christians to be, to be in prayer and how powerful that is and how much, how, how needed that is today. But, but I, I just think we're, we, we are at a time son where, I mean, you could compare it to the Titanic. I mean, America in some ways, I mean, we hit the iceberg. Um, and, and so just as the foundations are crumbling, you know, the ship has been breached now. And, and we, we, we've, uh, you know, that iceberg, uh, was this lie that Satan gave, you know, um, in Romans, it talks about those who exchange the truth of God for a lie. And, and we've seen that in America. We saw it during the sexual revolution. And, and, and because of that, when you exchange that truth for a lie, you know, there's only one sin the Bible says that you sin against your own body and that's sexual sin. Um, I, I, I don't know, son, if any of us realize the extent to which sexual immorality has triggered so many of these other things. You know, some people will say, well, you Christians always want to talk about sex and sexual morality and this and that. Well, you know, that's not it. I mean, we, we, we don't have any, um, you know, agenda to talk about that. We really want to talk about Christ and the cause and the gospel and salvation. But, but if that's the iceberg, if that's what caused the breach, if that's why we've been sinking now for 50 to 60 years and, and now we're taking on even more water uh, to, to, to use the, uh, you know, the Titanic imagery or, or, or you know, the, the house is, is really starting to come down now um, under this crumbling foundation, to use the other analogy. Um, people ask why? What, what, what is it? What caused it? And, and I, I sure don't know of a, of a, of a better answer to that son than um, that when man began to sin, sin against his own body, when schools began to teach, you know, Hey, let, let's go ahead and, and, and give out condoms because, you know, we're, we basically are animals and we can't control ourselves. And we're going to just, you know, you know, encourage this sort of activity. Um, you know, son, it, it doesn't take again, a rocket scientist to see that when we thumb our nose at God's laws, um, when we use our body in whatever way, makes us feel the best or gives us the greatest pleasure in the moment. Um, there are boundaries. And if you cross certain boundary lines, um, there are significant and severe consequences. Um, you know, in the Bible, King David crossed the boundary line with Bathsheba and, and, and it brought many negative consequences. Now, fortunately he repented of his sin, you know, and, and he was forgiven of his sin. And, and we serve a loving, gracious God who will forgive sin and does forgive sin. But uh, at, at the same time, if we ignore his laws, if we ignore his boundary lines, as, as it happened so many times in America, um, what is the result? Uh, well, it is just uh, uh, just being overcome with sensuality. It is uh, being overcome with disorder. It's being um, overcome with, with uh, chaos. And the Bible says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So you might be mastered by fornication or adultery or pornography. You might be mastered by gossip or, or, or greed or anger or prejudice. Um, I mean, son, we're all sinners, but we need the Lord to, to break these bonds, to break these chains 
and, and to forgive our sins. And so this is what's needed today in America. This is what we all need on a personal level. We're all sinners and we're all equal at the foot of the cross. But um, that Supreme Court decision in 1892, uh, Mike, can you imagine today, uh, you know, the Supreme Court, you know, uh, you, you'd have maybe a few of them that, that would be willing to uh, sign, sign on to that. Uh, but, uh, but certainly not, um, you know, not all of them and, and plenty of them wouldn't, we know. Dan Delzell with me. And Dan, you mentioned the sexual revolution. It brings to mind an interview that I heard once from uh, Sue Ellen Browder. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She was a freelance reporter for the Cosmopolitan magazine back in the 60s. And she wrote a book called Subverted. And it's about the um, the 1960s women's movement and how the sexual revolution and the women's movement kind of merged into mm-hmm. becoming kind of one, which then became about contraception and abortion, which I guess weren't originally yeah. part of the women's movement. But she was telling a story. This is how you get people to buy into something like abortion, for example. Yeah. She said, yeah. if you're going to promote a piano, let's say you're a piano person, like selling pianos, you don't just mm-hmm. showcase the piano. You take the piano and you put it in a nice room. Maybe you have a view of the ocean. Maybe you have some nice couches and pillows and you have this great view and then you yeah. have the piano showcased in this great picturesque room. And then you're presenting not a picture of a piano, but now you're promoting a piano room. So people need yeah. the piano room. And in order to get a piano room, you have to have the piano to put into the room. And so she says you don't focus on the, the one thing that you're trying to get in there, which would be a piano. Yeah. You sell yeah. them this idea of a piano room, which then leads to them buying a piano. And so it's the presentation of yeah. whatever it is that you want people to buy into. And so she said it worked beautifully. She was a part of that movement. She was in on the meetings when they were trying to come up with this idea of how to get this movement to accept contraception and abortion, for example. But it was, yeah. it was the, it was the, the packaging, she said, that made it appealing. And that's what people, yeah. I think, the subtlety of what some people do. Now, I think the subtlety has gotten brazen. And now we just have a bunch of people running around just throwing out, you know, brazen uh, suggestions and accusations and things. So we, we've lost that subtlety. But I think the subtlety of the messages that took us away from godly principles and start questioning godly principles and accepting these worldly views, I think the subtle packaging has led us to where we are today, where now people are so bold and brazen that they're just going to come out yeah. and say, we demand this, and if not, yeah. then we're going to have the cancel culture, and that cancel culture varies you know, because of the, you know, the foundational structures and their, and their beliefs, and I think that's one thing that we have to be really careful and cautious about, especially in the church, because you've mentioned it, you know, where pastors uh-huh. and denominations have got up there, and they've presented yeah. an anti-biblical view in this package yeah. and yeah. made it as if it was a biblical view. Right. Oh, I tell you, son, yes. Uh, those examples you're giving, um, w- w- what strikes me and what they have in common is that there is this diabolical um, uh, agenda to just kind of, um, you know, sneak, sneak something in there uh, through the back door. And, um, you know, one of the uh, uh, examples that, you know, here in recent decades it's been used is like, uh, you know, America is like uh, like a frog, uh, you know, in a in a pot of water. And, and if you were to drop a frog in a in a pot of boiling water, it would jump right out. But if you put it in a, a pot of of just you know regular temperature water and then slowly turn it up, you know, you'll cook that frog. It won't really know what's going on. And and uh, and so that's that's what's happening here in America. That's what Satan does. He's always trying to turn the heat up. Um, he's always trying to. Um, bring in uh, an agenda that is um, anti-God, anti-order, anti-Christ, uh, anti-holiness, uh, you know, anti-marriage, um, always with an alternative, always with a counterfeit. Um, but, but the problem is um, when you buy into his counterfeit, um, his counterfeit ideology in his life, the, the, the fruit that it produces is, is very unwholesome and, and it, it makes you angry. It makes you resentful. It makes you, um, you know, burn with lust. It, it makes you, you know, willing to take, you know, innocent life. For example, in the case of, of a little, of a little baby, um, you know, um, all of Satan's lies bear, you know, horrible fruit because the, the thief, the Bible says, comes to steal and kill and to, uh, destroy. 
And, and, and so, um, yes, I think those examples are, are, are right on target. And, and as you said, son, yes, it's even gotten into churches um, as, as they have, have, you know, Satan has just, you know, he, he has just worked so, um, so patiently with, with certain people to get them, just like Adam and Eve, to question the Bible. You know, it's very interesting to me, you know, these denominations, the Methodists, I guess, are getting ready to be the next one to, to do that with the, the largest Methodist uh, church body. Um, but, um, what, what, what they do is, is they talk, they get these people into, you know, positions of, of authority in their denomination who, who don't believe what the Bible teaches about, um, you know, for example, uh, sexual morality and, and they want to change now. They want to, they want to move the boundary lines. And so what they do is they start to say, well, you know, um, you know, we need to have some conversations on this because, you know, some people are very distraught over, 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 you know, what, what, what's being said here. And, and we want to be more inclusive. And, and, and the problem, of course, is once you cave on Scripture, once you cave on what the Bible says, there's no end to how far then you'll be willing to go. And so, you know, these denominations, I mean, they get into all sorts of nonsense. I mean, you know, where, where well, you know, just to be fair, we got to make sure we call God a she as, as often as we call him a he. And this kind of even goes to, you know, your, uh, um, your, your point there with, um, you know, uh, women's, you know, uh, the women's liberation movement and everything, which really, it, it doesn't liberate women at all. It enslaves women to, to an ideology many times that is, is not, um, is not one of peace, not one of, of joy. Um, and, and, and rather than, than fulfilling uh, women, it, it, it leads, uh, it leads women away from, uh, just the, the the focus of the gospel, the focus of of peace in Christ, and um, so yeah, all of these things son, are in play, and Satan's looking for any way he can to just you know kind of work his way in there and and start to you know tell his lies in hopes that you know because once you once you've bought one of them, uh, he knows he's got you on the hook and he's going to keep feeding you more and more of them. Dan Dozell with me, and Dan, do you think one of the things we've mentioned or that you mentioned is about the uh, the, the the church? Do you think that part of the problem with the foundational structure of a country also goes with the foundational structure of the church collapsing too? I mean, oftentimes you'll sit there and I'll see, you know, prominent ministers up talking and, you know, late night television is full of, you know, heresy. And there's a lot of people that are sitting there and preaching things that are really straying yeah. away from the Bible and condoning things that they probably shouldn't yeah. be condoning. It's a difference between, yeah. you know, accepting and godly love and not judging versus condoning. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I think that, and then, and then people too, you know, going to other things. Like I'm not one, I know there's a lot of people that sell a lot of stuff. Uh, Bible studies, you know, books, things like that. Right. And people are always right. saying, Oh, you should read this person. You should read that person. Well, now you're just yeah. being influenced by those people and their theology and ideology, you know, and so you should right. always go back to the Bible. And I think more and more people yeah. are, are, are focusing and relying on the influences of these other people as opposed to just the Bible itself. Cause the Bible is all we need, really. Uh, everything else yeah, you know, could I, be beneficial, but you know the Bible's all we need. But do yeah. you think there's a, a a missing uh structure foundation in the ideology and theology of the Christian today? Not necessarily the church, but just the individual. Well, I, I think it really depends on on um, you know who we're talking about because it, it varies so much from one church to the other, from one pastor to the other, from one Christian home to the other. Um, you know, what, what we find in common is that if a, if a Christian or a Christian couple or a Christian family or a Christian church, uh, a Christian denomination, if they're willing to stand on the word and not compromise and not all of a sudden, you know, start changing what God has said very clearly in his word, then, then we find peace and we find stability. We don't find people's minds racing with, oh my goodness, you know, um, we, we, we gotta, we gotta figure out whether this is still true or not, um, and, and, and so it's kind of a tough question to answer from the standpoint that, um, you know, the, the, the foundation, uh, it, it really depends on the, the personal, um, uh, the personal beliefs uh, of an individual, whether they're going to stand on the word of God, whether they're going to stand on the gospel, whether they're going to believe that Jesus is their savior and they're saved, you know, by grace through faith in Christ alone. Um, but, but right along with that is also the, the biblical message of repentance. And so one of the things that we've seen come into some churches um, and, and uh, some ministers and some seminaries and denominations 
is is that they want to um, change, uh, you know, what it means, what sin means. So so now if if uh, it doesn't quite fit with a politically correct uh, understanding of, of uh, inclusivity, then um, we, we we can't really say that that. Um, you know, same sex behavior in the homosexuality, uh, that, that it's sinful. Um, we, we can't really call it a sin. You know, the minute you, you no longer call something a sin that is a sin, you know, be it adultery, be it fornication, those are the much larger, more uh, prevalent sins, far more than homosexuality. But if you take any one of those and, and you begin to, um, say, hey, it's no longer a sin. Well, this is what you end up with. You end up with chaos. And, and that's what, um, you know, these, these denominations have, whether it be the, the largest uh, Lutheran, uh, you know, church body in America, the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, you know, in, in, their, in their hierarchy and in their seminary teaching, um, you know, you have chaos, a theological chaos. Um, and and now, now, could there possibly be a church here or there within that denomination that, that you know, they've decided for whatever reason to stay and, and, and they're not, you know, buying into it. Well, I mean, I suppose it's possible, but, but most, uh, of most people who understand what's going on are going to want to get as far away from that, uh, as possible. It was like the large, uh, Lutheran church body in Africa that when the ELCA made their decision, this church body, uh, was getting something like $3 million a year in, uh, in subsidy from the ELCA and they had to make a decision, you know. Uh, do, do we still want to be uh, getting paid, you know, this money by this denomination? And they said, hey, we're done. Um, count us out. We, we no longer are in fellowship with you. If you're going to endorse homosexuality, I mean, if it had been adultery or fornication, they would have done the same thing, but it was homosexuality. And so they said, we're done. I mean, you can take your $3 million, you can You can do with it whatever you feel like to do with it, but we're not going to be associated with you anymore because you have denied the Bible. You've denied God's um, clear instruction. Uh, now, should we have compassion for people who are struggling with sexual temptation? Absolutely. Should we have grace for those who 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 need through repentance and faith they need to be restored? Absolutely. But but the minute we start to just say, oh, well, you know, um, you do whatever feels right to you, um, and, and if that's engaging in fornication, you know, sex before marriage, if that's engaging in in adultery, if that's engaging in homosexual behavior. Uh, if you feel like you're a man today or you're a woman today, you do whatever you feel uh, fits you. Whatever is your strongest attraction, whatever you feel is, whatever you think your orientation should be. Um, and, and, and even though I will say this, I don't believe anybody ever wakes up uh, and chooses to have gay feelings. Um, you know, so so we have to have compassion with somebody who's struggling with with this. Um, you know, you know, I don't understand why maybe one one percent or two two percent, if probably at most, probably not even that. Um, you know, experience uh, you know same sex attraction. I don't understand why that happens. We need to have compassion for people who experience that. But but these large church bodies like the ELCA and now the Methodist Church, you know, their solution is well. Let's just no longer call it a sin. Hey, that'll solve it. You know, let's just, you know, if we remove that, then, then, hey, nobody has to feel bad. Nobody has to feel, you know, shame uh, over any sort of thing as long as, you know, you just do it, you know, um, with, with, you know, you and one other person, you know, and, and, and so it's not all of it. It just starts to spiral out of control. I, I mean, you know, there, there's a reason why, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Um, there, there's a reason why, you know, the Israelites suffered consequences because of sexual immorality. And, and again, I will stress, there's far more examples of, of heterosexual, uh, you know, immorality than homosexual, I mean, just in terms of the numbers of people. So, you know, we, we can't, you know, nobody should get picked on in this regard. But society, for some reason, you, you, don't, hear, you don't hear people uh, hammering away at, at necessarily wanting to say adultery is no longer a sin. I mean, maybe, maybe that's coming. You know, a fornication is no longer a sin. Maybe that's coming. But but for some reason, homosexuality is no longer a sin, and even church bodies that are saying that, and 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 we know that that came from the pit of hell. Um, that that is not that is not God's teaching at all. Um, and it's just one example though of how when the foundation crumbles, um, you're willing to you're willing to buy into whatever your strongest passion might be and convince yourself. Well, you know, I guess that's just the way God wants me to live. And and even though Scripture says. Um, no, um, God will help you. God will help all of us uh, with our with our passions. He will He will offer us forgiveness. 
but he will never condone sin and he will never promote sin. And I'll tell you what, son, these, uh, these religious leaders, especially that are doing so, they're going to have a lot to answer for when they stand before God one day. Um, you know, why did you lead little children to, to believe such a thing? Why did you lead teenagers to believe such a thing rather than help them in the midst of their, of their temptation? You told them it was fine. Why did you do that? And so they're going to have a lot, a lot to be accountable for when they stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. Yeah, Dan Delzell with us. And Dan, that's, uh, I think, explicitly written in the Bible when it talks about that leaders and teachers, you know, they'll be held to a higher standard, more accountability because of the position that they're in, um, in, in leading others. And I think one of the things, too, that um, I find kind of interesting with the way this whole thing is going is the fact that people, I guess, for lack of a better term, are losing their their spine, their backbone, you know. Um, We take a look at things going on, for example, here in California, and the governor has decided to close all places of worship. Now, um, there's really been very little pushback to that, which I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I think that at this point in time, there should be a little bit more pushback. And I've heard of a few gatherings up in San Francisco, about 300 people gathered on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge to kind of sing and Mm. worship counter to the you can't sing in church mandate. And then I heard there was a a gathering in Orange County, Southern California here, beach community uh, of people coming together for worship. And I think there needs to be more of that. Not necessarily we have to protest in a manner that is, you know, in a negative thing, but the coming together of the, of the, of the people, because, and, and and just take the church out of it, for example, or for this instance, and have a gathering of people that come together to, yes, you're going to make a protested statement that we disagree with what you're going to say, but we're going to do it in a constructive manner. And I think there's a difference between how it's delivered and how it's received. It didn't receive much uh, news because of the fact that it wasn't newsworthy from, you know, the violence and the looting and the cause. But but yeah. I think but I think a lot of times, you know, people just kind of roll over. You know, I read a um, it's kind of like this. I read an article in Pennsylvania where Biden is up big in the in the polls. And there's some uh, hesitation on the part of everybody to believe the polls because they think there are a lot of secret Trump voters that are yeah. going to come on Election yeah. Day and basically yeah. then spin that state to him. So there's, they're hiding because they're, they're afraid yeah. to say, yeah. Yeah. I'm a Trump supporter. Yeah. I think, and I think that's right. kind of the thing with, you know, sometimes Christians with, you know, we have that foundation, but yet we're kind of yeah. timid and shy because we're afraid yeah. and we don't want a cozy little world to fall apart because yeah. of, the, the 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 blowback we might get and i'm not saying to be yeah. irresponsible but i'm saying you right. know there are things that could be done like the gathering on the golden gate bridge or at the huntington pier you know if they if we're not supposed yeah. to be in a church maybe there's a park gathering maybe there's a beach gathering i don't know maybe there's yeah. some creative things that we can do as people instead of just hunkering down and getting rolled over because that's that's how it eventually becomes you know i mean it starts with a certain mandate and then everybody just abides by it then the next thing it's like mm-hmm. okay you're closed forever and there's no churches yeah. i mean yeah. The governor of New Jersey came out and said that, you know, he uh, was closing all churches. And when he was asked about it and asked about the direct violation of the Constitution, he said, well, you know, that's just something that we got together with religious leaders and decided it would be good to close. Well, I can't imagine any religious leader sitting there and thinking that's a good idea to close church because you're kind of, exactly. you know, now, now the building itself, don't be confused. The building itself is not the church. It's the body of Christ. Right. But it's the gathering. Right. It's the gathering of the body that comes together for support, that comes together for, yeah. you know, uh, that reassurance of what we're doing. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a, a relief to get out of the house, yeah. you know, and there's yeah. multiple, you know, we've talked about it, multiple benefits to it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's like sometimes we just kind of roll over and die. And let yeah. things happen to us because we don't think it's right to, you know, stand up and make a stand against right. something that we believe in. And that's why, Son, I, I really, I really agree. And I, and I think it's why it, it's good to see Christians, you know, standing up and, and pressing on these issues, for example, and like even in California and, and saying, you know, um, well, hey, if you're going to allow, you know, for example, this restaurant to have 50% capacity, but a church only has 25% capacity, you know, I mean, holding, holding our leaders accountable because, you know, granted, I mean, there are many different responses that are being taken by, by states and by governors. But as you pointed out, Son, I mean, um, you know, there are, there are plenty of examples where, where churches and Christians uh, are being uh, told to have much tighter restrictions, you know, and, and as, as many people have pointed out, you know, um, Hey, you, you didn't hear many of these voices that seem so concerned about churches. You, you didn't hear them saying really anything when all these 
protests were happening in the streets. In fact, they were often encouraging, you know, these things to happen. So, you know, you, you, you do begin to see there's a very clear agenda here of which voices, um, you know, uh, many uh, in, in the media, for example, you know, are wanting to promote and others are wanting to shut down. And, and, and but, you know, I mean, I guess as Christians, we should certainly um, expect that um, there, there are going to be, you know, plenty of people in any society, including America, who uh, want to try to shut down the gospel because they're not flowing uh, in the gospel. They're not flowing in God's message of, of grace. That's not their mission. Um, and so the only alternative is to be under the influence of, of, of really of, of the evil one. Uh, and, and he's all about control and he's all about trying to shut down, um, you know, the spread of the gospel. So when, when we see people react, uh, you know, very strongly against, you know, churches and pastors and the gospel and, and, and Christians, um, many of them don't even realize what's going on within their own heart. That, that that they're being ruled by um, by really the, the sin within them that refuses to bow to Jesus, and and this is why some people they just go nuts if you, the idea that you know America has been a Christian nation because um, they want nothing to do with that, and 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 our job of course is to love people who are in that position, to have compassion for them. Um, we, you know we're not trying to force Christianity on anybody. Um, I mean it's very sad to think. Um, you know, what will happen if they continue on that path. But in the meantime, um, we, we are praying for, for, for people to, to turn away from that, that angry, um, controlling ideology that wants to shut down the Christian message and shut down churches and, and shut down the gospel, even though they, they don't even understand why, you know, who's pulling the strings behind them. Whose control are they under? What darkness is within them that's driving them? to be so anti-Christian. And, and, and of course, we know, Son, that there are nations where, I mean, that are just under such a, a lockdown of, of spiritual control. I mean, whether, whether it be North Korea, whether, whether it be places in the Middle East, you know, whether you know, it be China. I mean, um, we know that man's heart is, is, can become very, very dark. And so we, we see examples of it here in America on a much lighter scale, really. But if, if, if some of these restraints weren't in place, and if some of these folks who want uh, their own way, if, if, if they were in power and it was only them, oh, we, we, we shudder to think um, how, how much they would clamp down and, and how closely America would begin to resemble perhaps, uh, you know, one of these nations that is just under, uh, under such a, a shroud of, of darkness. And yet, the last thing I'll say on that side is that even then, and maybe even more so, um, when the Lord wants to burst through, uh, he will. And, and I tell you, the, these Christians in China, that, uh, you know, the, the, the level of their faith, um, the, the level of their um, response, uh, the, the, the way that God is moving, even in some of those, you know, super tightly controlled environments, um, you know, it, it should, I guess, remind us that, um, you know, uh, God is in control and, and, and sometimes having things shut down by those in darkness, um, it, it actually uh, tends to work against the kingdom of darkness. So, you know, the devil can't win either way he goes. I mean, he's ultimately lost. He's been defeated by Jesus' death and resurrection. And the more he tries to clamp down in society, it's like God says, well, fine, I'll come in, I'll do it this way. And I'll, I'll strengthen the faith of these believers even more if you're going to oppress them in this way. And I'll give them even more blessings and more power and, and more conversions. And so... So, I mean, hey, Son, thankfully we're on the winning team, and, and we just want to keep our hearts as soft as possible toward those who are, um, you know, still in, in darkness because um, they have no idea, the master that they're serving, uh, what, what the end game will, will be unless they repent and believe the good news. Dan Delzell with me. And, Dan, you mentioned the Christians in China and places like that. I think that's one of the things that makes Christians in other countries – and makes Christians in countries that are really persecuted and oppressed uh, more Christian, if I can say that, for lack of a better term, because they only have God to rely on. They don't have a government to bail them out when they're out of work. They don't have a government and other resources to help them when times are hard. You know, we're going through COVID, which is probably one of the worst pandemic or one of the worst things, a pandemic, but one of the worst things we've gone through as a nation 
that has really affected everybody because, you know, we have the mentality, if it doesn't affect me, uh, who cares, right? Uh, we need to feed the homeless, but I'm not homeless, so whatever. Uh, we need to take care of these people, but that's not me, so I'll give my few bucks here to make me feel better. So we do things to try to make us feel better, but when it doesn't affect us directly, we don't really care, to be honest. And so this sure. is the one thing that's really affecting everybody and hitting people pretty hard and pretty good, whether it be economic yeah. loss, whether it be health, whether it be, you know, physical loss with the death of somebody, whether it be right. anxiety, whether it be, you know, lack of hope, you know, anything. Just, you know, you name it and somebody's probably suffering from it. And so everybody oh, is yeah. being impacted by this. But mm-hmm. we do have things that we can rely on. We get stimulus checks and people get extra money in their stimulus checks, so much so that they're making more money on unemployment than they did with their job. Um, yeah. You know, we have people that have maybe other resources that they can rely on. We've got plenty of grocery stores that we can go to. Um, right. You know, we've got social media where we can vent and, and rail at people to get that anger out. But right. we don't go to God and rely on him first. And some people do. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, as a whole, we don't go to God first. And I think that's one of the things that is uh, a problem. You know, it goes back to I had a conversation with somebody one time and we we're talking about the difference between protesting and maybe, uh, you know, as the worldly view to answering racism versus a godly perspective. And I said, you know, basically, what if we had 50,000 people instead of rioting and looting and tearing down things mm. in the city? What if we had 50,000 yeah. people on their knees not to protest the flag, but to pray right. that change is made? I said, what would you choose? Would you choose 50,000 people literally praying to God, asking him for change, or would you want 50,000 people? And after back and forth, back and forth, a decision could not be made without the decision being, well, we need both. And I'm thinking to myself, we don't need both. We need 50,000 people on their knees praying because that's going to have more of an impact than anybody protesting. Okay. And it was just a simple question. It wasn't, it wasn't a whole, let's get into this big political debate. It was like, just choose as a Christian person. Do you think 50,000 people praying versus 50,000 people marching the streets as a Christian? What do you think would make the difference? The bigger difference. And they couldn't come to a, to a, an answer. And so I just thought that was kind of a little, uh, interesting because we don't go to God first, you know, and and I'm not saying this person doesn't believe in God or doesn't do anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, we don't, we don't, have that, you know, I need God only and only God can help me because we don't live in those conditions. And people in other countries, they have those conditions where that's the only thing that saves them is God. Yeah. You know, I know, I know yeah. a guy who's uh, from Africa. He's out here going to a seminary and mm-hmm. he was telling me that every day when he's back home in Africa, every day he leaves the house, he always says goodbye to the family because he anticipates there's a high probability because of his faith being in a Muslim country, that he's not coming home. Okay? Oh, so yeah. his whole dependency is on God making it through the day. And by yeah. God's grace, when he comes home at night, it's only by God's grace that he came home at night. And those wow. are the type of conditions we don't face. And so I think we get no. complacent. We get lazy in our faith. You know, I know I do. And, yeah. um, and, and we don't rely on God first. God is third, fourth, fifth in the line of people we go to yeah. instead of yeah. being first. And if, and as a nation, when we talk about a nation founded, like you mentioned with the Supreme Court, uh, piece there, and a nation yeah. found in God we trust, now they want to take everything away from that. They want to take prayer out of schools, and then they want to take, you know, now the national anthem away. They want to take in God we trust, the Ten Commandments can't be up on a courthouse yeah. wall. You know, they want to remove God from everything. And so then it's like, yeah. what do you expect when you're a nation that's taking God out of everything? Because, right. If if you're going to reject God and take him out of everything, then how do you expect him to come in and, and be like, oh, by the way, yeah. can, you, can, can you come in for a little bit now and help us with this pandemic, and then we'll kick you out again when we don't need you anymore? And it just gets ludicrous. Well, it, it, absolutely, Son. You know, um, it, it's similar to a conversation I had with, with uh, a husband and a wife um, this week. Um, you know, she, uh, she came to church on Sunday and, and was very upset, and they're going through a, a difficult time. Uh, and I've counseled them before, uh, over, over a period of years. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's a couple that, um, I, I, you know, we, we haven't had the same kind of connection that, that I have with, with families that are, you know, in church every Sunday. I mean, I, I tend to see them for a while and then not for a while. Uh, and, um, and anyway, we, what, what we talked about though, son, was just some of those some of those basic, you know, foundational things. I mean, even something as simple, son, you know, as like just um, making a commitment to to being, uh, you know, at church on Sunday, not to get a check in the box, but so that you're going to have the strength 
that you need then in your family, in your marriage, to be able to give your spouse what your spouse needs. Uh, because I don't know, son, how how a Christian um, can can live as a as a uh, you know a faithful husband or wife and 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 endure and persevere without you know that 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 weekly you know connection with the Lord and worship and then those Christian friendships. So you know when the Lord says, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy," it, it's not to oppress us; it's to free us, to free us from the kind of empty living. That, that, that come, you know, when you hear people on maybe certain TV shows or movies kind of mock marriage as though, you know, it's impossible to have, you know, uh, you know, a happy marriage. Um, you know, I, I'm just thinking, you know, how, how sad. I mean, yes, all marriages have struggles, you know, and have challenges. Uh, you know, my wife and I will celebrate, you know, 30 years uh, here this year. And, and I mean, I don't care who you are. You're going to have bumps in the road and, and so forth. I heard a very interesting little piece um uh, there, I guess, uh, Will Smith and his wife, uh, was a Jada Pinkett. Uh, you know, they, they were talking about their marriage and some things they've been through and, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, but I also remember it coming out years ago that, um, you know, it, it was reported and, you know, over and over again that they have an open marriage. Well, okay. So, so an open marriage basically would say that, you know, we're not going to have the boundaries that, for example, the Bible gives us. Um, you know, uh, when the Bible says, keep the marriage bed pure, well, an open marriage would say, um, you know, if I have a desire to be with someone else, um, other than my spouse and I need, I need to satisfy that need. And then my spouse should be able to do the same. Um, and, and I think it was interesting to listen to them as they kind of have, you know, they were talking about just how that, um, how that's played out, you know, in their relationship. And it was very obvious that, you know, that it, 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 it's been a struggle, uh, it, it, you know, as, as they talked about this relationship that, that she had with this, this younger guy and they both, I guess maybe were, you know, aware of it and okay with it and, and everything. But, but obviously it, it, it tears down any foundation of, of, of real trust, um, you know, between you and your spouse and it doesn't ultimately satisfy. And, and so even as I talked with this couple this week about just some basic foundational things, I mean, how, how critical it is that we don't you know, seek to have emotional needs met by someone else other than our spouse. You know, Satan will come in in any way he can and try and bring in a temptation if a, if a couple is going through a difficult time. Well, you know, your spouse is so busy and you've got this other friend and, you know, whether it be on Facebook or whether it be at work or whatever. And, and, and you know, one, one thing leads to the other. And even if it's just an emotional connection without anything physical, let's say, um, it, it still can start to really um, erode uh, the, 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 the true satisfaction that God brings, uh, in, in a Christian marriage. So, so when, when we remove the boundary line in a marriage, in a society, in a heart, in a nation, um, these are not there to, to oppress us on. These are here. God gave them to his people to actually liberate us because a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And, and I don't care. You, you can be mastered by an open marriage. You can be mastered by pornography. You can be mastered by gossip. You can be mastered by um, by prejudice. You can be mastered by racism, by hatred. Um, I mean, all of these things we are all uh, susceptible to, son. And and some people seem to struggle with this thing or that thing more than others. And we don't know why sometimes. But, you know, really, at the end of the day, um, we're all just equal at the foot of the cross. We all have, you know, the same big problem of sin. We all have the same big need of a Savior and, and so everything we've talked about today, son, and you and I have amazing visits here on these podcasts, everything we've talked about once again today, it all comes back to the need for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, trusting in the Lord. When we get to heaven, you know, those of us who know the Lord, um, you know, all of our questions will be answered. In the meantime, we just press on, uh, we pray, you know, we, we try to help those that we can, and, um, you know, God will use us. And he's using this podcast. He's using, you know, you and I as husbands and fathers. He's using our wives, our children. He's using Christians all over America, all over the world. And um, today, perhaps, son, somebody maybe uh, will uh, will end up listening to this to this podcast that, you know, that you're recording. And uh, and they'll say, you know what? I, that kind of makes sense, what I hear Son and Dan talking about. I do need to get back to the Lord. I need to meet him for the first time. And if you do that today, my friend, if you just invite Jesus you know, to forgive your sins and, and trust him as your savior and turn away from sin. Um, you know, it'll be amazing what, what will begin to happen in terms of your relationship with God. 
And, and so uh, today that foundation can be laid. And I'll tell you, I'm looking forward. To, I know we've kind of talked about maybe even next week having that discussion of what does it mean to have a foundation of faith? You know, there's so much we could talk about with that and how, how that foundation, you know, at times it starts to crumble. You know, maybe somebody grew up in the church. Maybe somebody grew up in a Christian home. Maybe they went off to a college, and now their faith came under attack by some professors, which goes to one of the things we talked about today, whether it be a church denomination, a university, whatever it is. When people come under deception by Satan, they seem to want to spread it to others. And it's happening at universities. It's happening in certain churches. Um, so that'll be a great visit. I'm looking forward to that, Son, with us, with us talking about that foundation of faith. And... Uh, you are always so gracious with me. Sometimes I get out one of my little long little spiels here. So uh, anyway, these, these are fantastic talks that we have. You know, down in California, we went through a period of time where we retrofitted all kinds of buildings because of the earthquake with the earthquake risk that we have. Mm, and mm-hmm. and now there's new, uh, you know, building implements uh, as far as rules and things when you're building new yeah. structures because of, you know, the earthquake risk. We talked right. with Antoine in, on the streets of Nebraska, and he re- referred to people as either yeah. either being builders or destroyers. You know, what are you going to be? Are you going to be mm-hmm. someone that tears down or build up? So we take that analogy, and oftentimes, yeah. you know, we might need to. We have a faith, and we have a good faith, and maybe we're in good yeah. standings with God and our relationship, but maybe we need to yeah. retrofit it to uh, prepare ourselves to defend ourselves against the new things that the new attacks that Satan have, you know, because, because there are new attacks that are coming out, you know, with, with technology, you know, it brought pornography into the home instead of those little, you know, theaters or whatever you had to go to, um, or the, the convenience store magazines, you know, uh, stack or whatever. Um, and so there's always, you know, new, new attempts by Satan to bring in new things to attack us. And so even though we might be on good footing and have a good foundation, we might need to retrofit it to the latest thing that satan is using to combat us you know and that could be whatever it is you know whatever it is that the temptation is and so to have a good faith and have a good foundation you know yeah it's also good then to also come in and have a check of that foundation to make sure that there aren't little crevices that are forming and to make sure that there isn't retrofitting that needs to be done to to shore up some things some defenses against some areas that you know might be uh affecting us because it's an ever-changing thing that we need to do, and I think that would be good to uh, kind of, like you said, touch on as we move forward is yeah. how can yeah. we have a good foundation, and if we think we do have a good foundation, how can we maybe check that to see if it's mm-hmm. something that we can make even better so that that way when the big one hits, we're not going to crumble yeah. and our foundation will stand strong on the rock and not on the sand. Yeah. And I love the way you put that, son. It made me think of the Bible verse in First uh, Corinthians, uh, you know, test yourselves to see, maybe Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, uh, test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And, and, and so, yeah, that'll be great to talk about, you know, how, how, how could a person test himself or herself? How, how, how can I know whether I'm in the faith? I mean, you know, I, I'm trying to live a pretty good life. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I believe in God, you know, and, and so, yeah, that'll be a great discussion. What does it mean to have a foundation, and, and, and how can a person know that they're saved, that heaven is their home, and, and, and that their faith uh, truly is in the one who is the resurrection and the life? You know, Dan, just a, maybe a couple minutes, uh, maybe kind of like the uh, condensed version, just to simplify for people that are listening, and they're like, you know, you talk about this, and I hear that, and there's this, you know, accepting Jesus, and I got to pray a prayer, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just sounds kind of like all Christian-y and Bible-y, but it's really not. It's a choice that we have to make as an individual. You know, people say they don't want to uh, be a Christian or follow God because there's too many rules. Um, well, you yeah. know what? The, the, the fact of the matter is it's not rules that you're following, but it's a choice that you're making. You know, we, we, we exercise because we want to be healthy yeah. and there's rules we have to follow. We can't eat certain things. We have to get so many, you know, hours of exercise and we have to, you know, live our lives by these standards to lose weight. Right. And so there are right. some standards that we need to live by if we want to, you know, be in heaven in the afterlife. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah. can you just kind of maybe just give somebody who might yeah. not be, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. savvy maybe yeah. with the Christian ease of it? Mm-hmm what it's like yeah, and what yeah. needs to be done to accept Christ today. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Thank you, son. You know, the, the thought that comes to mind with the current uh, example is it, it, I would invite you, my friend, just to think about everything in the news with, um, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and now his, his madam who, who, you know, as they were involved in recruiting, you know, young girls and abusing young girls and, 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 um, uh, 
uh, and just really involved in, in having others then abuse them as well. So now she's getting ready to, um, you know, face uh, a, a courtroom and a judge and, and charges and so forth. Um, here, here's a way you could think about Christ today, my friend. Um, if you were to go into God's courtroom today, um, it's important for you to realize that you would have even more charges against you than she has and that they would be even more vile and offensive to the Lord than this woman's charges are to us. And what Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein did, um, what, what, they, what they did, as offensive as, as we find that, and abusive and wrong and, and evil, um, your sin and my sin in God's courtroom is even more offensive to him, and we deserve to have the book thrown at us. Um, and, and, and so in order for you to become a Christian, it's very important that you realize that this is what the Bible means when it says the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. Okay. Um, for you to understand that you are guilty as a lawbreaker and not just a little bit, but that you are so guilty that you like myself, you deserve to go to hell to pay for your sin. It's very important that you come to understand um, that that the, the the seriousness of your sin and, and your crime against God, if you will, is is it, it's very very serious. And and the good news though is this: you're hearing this now. You're not yet in God's courtroom. It's not yet Judgment Day. Um, God's not here to throw the book at you today. Okay, the book will be thrown at those who enter God's courtroom without um, the forgiveness, without the advocate with them. Without the defense attorney and, and, and the payment that Jesus made for them on, on the cross. Um, so today, God's not going to throw that book at you, but it's very important that you recognize your sin and, and that you confess it to God and, and admit it to God. And you don't try to cover it up and don't try to tell God what a good person you are because he knows better about you and I. And, and you know, even though our friends and family may say we're good, God sees much deeper to the things that, that are evil in his sight, okay? But. He's not, he's not here to condemn you. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. So once you see that you're a sinner, once you see that you, how bad your, your crimes against God are, um, this is intended then to lead you to, okay, so how do, I get, how do I get out of that? How do I get saved? And the Bible says there's only one way. You know, salvation is found um, in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so to receive Christ as your Savior is to trust in him to put your faith in him, to believe that he took your punishment. Your, he made the payment for your sin on the cross. He loves you so much that he was willing to die in your place so that when you go before God on judgment day, it'll be a joyous day, a welcoming into heaven, not a day of having the book thrown at you. So do you see what I'm saying? Okay, it's very important to get that. Um, if you don't get that, you won't get the gospel. Um, you, you won't understand what this is all about, what the Bible is all about. It's very critical. I mean, if you, if you look at the whole Bible, I mean, we see law and gospel all the way back to God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, all of the, the sacrificial system. We don't have time to go into all of the significance of that, but it all points to law and gospel. The law condemns, the gospel saves, okay? So if you today will, will, will receive your sent, uh, I'm sorry, receive the, the, um, the, the, the message that you are a sinner, and, and, and if you will accept Christ, payment for your sin on the cross, then rather than being sentenced to punishment, you will instantly be forgiven and pardoned and, and redeemed. And so if you'll just trust Jesus today, you say, well, do I need to pray a prayer? Well, you certainly can. It's, I mean, it's great. I mean, pray a prayer, but, but it's even, it, it's more than that. It's different than that. It's not just praying a prayer. It, it's trusting in Christ. You know, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so put your faith in him. Put your faith in, in Christ as your Savior. Receive him by faith. And, and certainly having a prayer as, as you do, that's great to do. But, but the, the most important thing is that you have faith in Jesus as your Savior. So talk to him. You know, tell him about your sin. Um, tell him you, you want to be forgiven. Trust in him as your Savior. And that's how you will be forgiven today. You, the lawbreaker, just like Son and I, you are a lawbreaker. And, and, and just like this uh, madam of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, who, whose, whose crimes are very offensive and vile, but do, do you think yours are less vile to God? They're not, and neither are mine. And, and this is why it took the death of the sinless, perfect Son of God in order for our sin to be washed away. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So it's a transaction. So repent, turn away from sin, 
believe the good news, believe Jesus died for you, and you're forgiven. If you will believe it and receive that free gift, you will be instantly forgiven, made a child of God, and then dive into the Bible every day, pray every day, um, you know, be, be a, a regular part of a, of a good Christian uh, church where you're hearing the word and building Christian friendship, and then serve others, serve, serve the Lord, serve uh, those in your family, and ask God to help you, and he will. So um, maybe I, I hope that wasn't longer, Son, than what you were looking for, but that, that, that my friend, is just a way to, to, to think about what it means to become a Christian. Dan Delzell, author of The Christian Post. Thank you so much. You can find his articles at The Christian Post, and uh, we appreciate everything, and we look forward to next week. Absolutely, Son. I sure look forward to it as well, and uh, it's just been another uh, great time with you today as we talk about these critical issues going on in, in society and in, and in our hearts as well. And for the rest of you, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.